Today we're continuing our study in the book of James. And so if you have your Bible, you can look in James chapter 4. And we're going to turn to verse number 13 in a few moments. Uh, some of you might be thinking, are we ever going to get done with the book of James? We are. Uh, at the uh, end of this month, maybe, maybe one more week in August. But we're going to look at James chapter 4 today, verse number 13. And today we're talking about time and, and the importance of time, lessons about time. I heard a story about a doctor who called one of his patients and he said, I got some good news for you and bad news. And the, the patient said, well, what's the good news? He said, the good news is you've got 24 hours to live. And the patient was just like, what in the world? He said, how can the news be any worse? He said, the bad news is I forgot to tell you that yesterday. Now, uh, very few people live like there is no more, like they have all the tomorrows in the world left. Or most of us live like that, that we have all the time left in the world. Uh, but the fact is, is we don't have all the time left in the world. It's not like we have a bank account and you have all this time in the bank account. And anytime you want, you can come along and make some sort of withdrawal from it. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to see James teaching us and sharing with us in the scripture today that it's important that we don't take life for granted, but instead that we look at the life that we have and try to figure out how we can use our life and the time that we have in the best possible way. You know, get the most bang for your buck, so to speak. And so today in our scripture, we're going to see James sharing again that time's limited. We don't have forever. And so learn how to manage your time. So if you have your Bible again, you can look in James chapter 4, verse 13. And if you haven't found it yet, uh, I'll give you a little background information while you look. James, the guy who wrote this book, was the, the brother of Jesus. A lot of people don't realize Jesus had siblings, but he did. And uh, one thing that was interesting is that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. Uh, they, they were not followers of Jesus while Jesus was here on this earth. And we're told in James 7, 3 through 5, it says, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. And since you are doing these things, they said, Show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers didn't believe in him. But something happened where that all changed. It was called the resurrection. And after Jesus rose from the grave, um, I have a feeling that it really got the attention of James. And James very well could have been thinking, whoops, should have been paying attention to Jesus this entire time. And so G uh, James, as time goes on, James has an interesting perspective, I believe, about time. And the reason why is because while he was here on this earth with Jesus, he kind of wasted his time. He didn't make the most of his time. He didn't believe in Jesus. And so James has, I believe, a unique perspective to share with us some lessons that we can learn about time that we're going to see in our text today. So, so what are some lessons that we ought to learn about time, that we ought to know about time? And it begins with this. First of all, time is uncertain. Time is uncertain. Now look with me back in verse 13. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. He says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and it vanishes. Now, if you don't have that verse underlined in your Bible, I think that's a great verse to underline. Just to remind you about life. Now, you might look at that verse today and say, man, that is really uplifting. I mean, he says, my life is like a mist. It appears for a little while and then it's gone. 
I mean, there's nothing left to it. My life is over. And it's easy to read this and think that James has got some sort of fatalistic view of life, like eat, drink, and be merry, because it doesn't matter what you do, you're out of here anyway. Your life doesn't count. There's not a whole lot that your life can accomplish and achieve. That's not what James is saying. You know what James is saying here? He's saying when you make decisions, when you live your life, he said you better include God. You better make sure that God is a part of the decision-making process in your life. Because if you live your life only for yourself, and you make decisions based off of what you feel and based off of what you want, James says your life is like a mist. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. So why do we want to include God? Because God, y'all, y'all know God's bigger than us. I'm not talking you know, like physically, you know, the Bible tells us God's spirit, so I'm not saying he's got a bigger body than you. But God is bigger than us in that he is able to see the big picture of life. We are only able to see a small snippet of life. You are able to examine life and see life from where you sit right now. Now, I know there are a lot of you, you're like me, and you'd like to think that the world revolves around you. You like to think that the world revolves around Blythewood, South Carolina. I got news for you. It doesn't. This world is a big place. And God is able to see all things. And so if you make plans without the leadership of God, you're being foolish because your plans on your own without the direction of God are going to be futile. The Bible teaches this in Proverbs 19.21. It says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, you can get a little bit frustrated at that and say, What's wrong with my plans? You know, I make pretty good plans. I know some of you do. I am married to a planner. Uh, Emily likes to plan everything that we do. As a matter of fact, she's at the beach right now. And so she called me and she was telling me all these things that I need to bring so that we can be prepared for the for the next week. And, you know, I'm one of these guys. I just sort of like to let's just see what happens. Matter of fact, see, my uh, youngest son, Glenn's more like me. Uh, Emily called me. He will die. They're not here, so I can say whatever I want. Emily called me and said, we're going to be gone for a week. And Glenn brought one pair of underwear. And, uh, you know, which is great because I understand that. I look at Glenn and we're going to the beach. We're going to swim every day. Who needs underwear? But anyway, uh, y'all, that has nothing to do with anything. So anyway, man, man's plans uh, are not good, but it is the purpose of the Lord that prevails. I'm trying to bring this one back. Um, let, me, let me try to give you an example. What, what happens whenever we don't follow the leadership of our wives, or excuse me, or God, is that we end up being very short-sighted. Uh, Napoleon, uh, the greatest battle, the most famous battle that Napoleon ever fought in. Y'all know what it is? Yeah, Waterloo, right? So we know that Waterloo. You know what's interesting to me? He lost that one. I mean, he lost the battle. And I'm thinking, if I'm going to be known for something, I mean, I don't want to be known for like being the loser guy, but that's Napoleon. I mean, he, the biggest battle he's ever in was, was Waterloo, and he lost to the British, General Wellington. Now, what's interesting is they should have won that battle, uh, but they were on this huge field, and the British were retreating. Napoleon sent his cavalry after the retreating British. And from his perspective, it looked like there was nothing between him and the British, but there was a crest in the hill, a crest in the field. And Wellington had all of his soldiers lined up in that crest. So when the cavalry came chasing after the retreating British, the rest of the army stood up and wiped out the French army, the French cavalry. Turned the tide of the battle, Napoleon lost. Now, why did Napoleon lose? Because he wasn't able to see everything. 
his vision was short-sighted. He didn't have the big picture view. And guys, the same thing is true between us and God. God's view of life is totally different than yours. It's totally different than mine. God is able to see the very, very big picture. And we're being foolish whenever we think that, that we're able to see everything. That we can make decisions without the leadership of God from our limited perspective. I, I read an article that said this year our world population is going to top 7 billion people. Now, do you think that we have an idea of what's going on in the entire world? Do you think we have, any of us has the big picture view to understand what's going on in our world? And, and No way. Only God is able to see that kind of a picture. But if we make, if we spend our time based off of our own perspective, based off of our own wants and our desires without including God, guys, let me tell you something. We're going to, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to hurt. We're going to miss out on the best. We're going to be unfulfilled. And yet I'm afraid there's so many of us, we invest in things that have so little value. That don't match up to what God desires. Jesus illustrates this in a parable. He said in Luke 12, uh, he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tell, tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. He says, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, this, uh, you fool. He said, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Now, this is going to be an ego blow to some of us. Guys, we don't know everything. We don't understand everything in this life. We don't know how everything operates. So that's why you want to make sure that you put your life in the hands of the one who does. In the hand of the one who created this world. Who understands the path we are to travel in this life. That's why King David wrote in Psalm 37 verses 3 through 5. He said, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate your faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He says, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. So the first lesson for us to know about time is the time is uncertain. I mean, I think we kind of know that, right? Time's uncertain. But another lesson we need to know about time is this, and that is time is brief. Now look with me in verse 14. It says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? What is it? It says, you are a mist that appears for a little while. And then vanishes. The brevity of life is something that's hard to understand when you're, I really think this, when you're younger, because when you're younger, you have, you have all the time in the world. Um, but then what happens to us? We get older. We get married. Uh, y'all, I've been married for 19 years today. Isn't that amazing? I got married when I was 11 years old. And uh, so you get married. You start having children. And then, and you know, when, when you start out, you start thinking, you know, bad, I know bad things happen, but they happen to other people. You know, it's not going to happen to me. And then you get older and things start happening to you. And, and then you become aware of how quickly time flies. I know for me, when we had children, I say this all the time, gosh, and some of you, you're, you're beyond where we are, but I look where we are now and I think, I've got, I've got three kids and they're growing up. I've got a son that has a beard. Oh, what? I mean, that is odd. Um, you know, it just frightens me. Uh, and then I've got Glenn, uh, who's going to be, I mean, he's, in, uh, he's got another, what, two years left of middle school. He'll be in high school after next year. And then Janie's going to be going into middle school pretty soon. And I'm thinking, what, what happened? 
Uh, you know, everywhere I've worked, just about, I've always been the youngest person where I've worked. I am the oldest person on our staff now. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, it's, I mean, life is just flying by. And then James comes along with this verse that points out the brevity of life. He says, what is your life? He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Yeah, mist is the morning fog. You know how the morning fog comes in, looks thick. It's going to be around forever. And then the sun comes out and it burns out really quick. It's like it was never there. James says that is what your life is like. Depressing, right? It's, It's like the morning fog. It's here for a little bit and then it's absolutely gone. Bible has this theme over and over again. In the book of Job, Job 7, 6, it says, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Uh, we're told again in the book of Job, Job 8, 9, he says, Our days upon earth are a shadow. It, it's interesting to me, we like to, count, <clears throat> we like to count the years of our life by celebrating birthdays. You know, it's another year's past. Psalm ninety twelve, God does not tell us to count our years. You know what he says? He says, number your days. Now, what does that mean? You better make sure that every day you spend, we, don't, we have no guarantees. He says, you spend your time wisely, number your days wisely, and make sure you are investing in things of value. Invest your time and your life in people that is pointing them to a God who loves them. And you say, well, how do I do that? How do I get this kind of knowledge to be able to do this? You follow the direction that's given to you in Scripture. In Joshua 1.8, it says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And it says, Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, what is it in your life that you spend most of your time meditating on? If you were to, to break down your time, where do you spend most of your time? Are you spending most of your time in things that, are, you know, that make a difference? In, in things that impact the lives of others not just for today but i'm talking about you know like for an eternity where do you spend your time because i'll be honest with you when i examine some of the stuff i invest in my life in man i think gosh i'm wasting time i'm not investing a lot of the stuff that i do in things that have that have value this this story is going to seem like i'm just absolutely proving my point here uh America's Funniest Home Videos. Great show. And uh, I think it's worthwhile. It's worth spending your time watching that show right there. That has eternal value. Uh, but there was one. This actually, there was an, actually, there was a sermon illustration here. There was a guy at a wedding. And uh, you could, it has it set up. You can see the bride and groom. And you can see some of the people in the wedding or in the congregation. And then all of a sudden, this guy right in the middle of the wedding. You know, this is true. You might have seen this one. The guy stands up and goes, yes, right when they're doing the vows. And the guy, he sits down and he slinks down in a seat and he takes off his headphones. During the wedding, he was listening to the Alabama-Auburn football game and his team scored. Now, you know, obviously, guys, we understand that. But uh, that was a time when his focus was in the wrong place, right? And I can't even imagine what his wife did to him after that little episode. And it's on television. Uh, but his focus was in something that was not as important, we would, most of us would say, uh, than the wedding, right? And because his focus was in the wrong place, when it, when it came down to time to the celebrating time, he looked foolish. Now, guys, when, whenever our, our time is invested in things that are in the wrong place when we stand before God, 
Oh, it's going to look foolish. Now, James is pointing out some important lessons for us. He says time's uncertain. Time is brief. We, we need to know that. Time's brief. But the good news here is that time can be well spent. Even though life is short, it's brief. Time can be well spent. And in verse number 15, it says, instead, you ought to say this. If it's the Lord's will, we will do this, or we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it says he sins. Now, if your focus is in the wrong place, this can be a rather depressing scripture. You say, well, man, life's brief, life's uncertain, I mean, time doesn't matter, what am I doing here? Here's the good news. Verse 15 points out some very positive things for us. It lets us know in verse 15 that you, your time can be used for a greater purpose. Well, how do we spend our time if we're going to do that? And this is where James points out something very important to us. If you look in verse 15 again, the most important words here, he says, if it's the Lord's will. And notice he doesn't say, I'm going to do this if it's my will. He said, if it's the Lord's will, I will live and I will do this or I will do that. Now you might say, well, what's wrong with my will? What's wrong with me doing what I want to do? Well, the problem in that area is that by nature we are in opposition to God. We're corrupt. You know, it is in our nature to do things that God doesn't want us to do. And so if we're not following the leadership of God and we're following ourselves, you're going to do things contrary to what God says. That's why I always get nervous when I hear people say this, just follow your heart. Do, you know, do what you feel like is the best thing to do. Y'all, that is, that is crazy talk. Let me tell you why. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things. If you're going to base decisions off your heart, you better make sure your heart belongs to Jesus. Because if it doesn't belong to Jesus, your heart is deceitful. See, by nature we're in opposition to God. And so the goal, for them, the goal then for us is to say, Lord, not, not my will, but Lord, your will. Lord, what you will is what I want to do. Now, here's the big, the big problem for a lot of us. We say, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. You know, that Rick Warren's famous book, Purpose Driven Life, that, is, that book is written basically to help people find, what is God's will for my life? I think it's a great book. So what is God's will for my life? And we, we struggle with that question over and over again. You know, and I, I'm going to say I believe this, in all honesty, I do not believe it is as difficult to find out God's will for our lives as we make it out to be. Now, you might be saying, that's great, I'm trying to figure out if I'm supposed to take this job, is this God's will or not? Okay, let's, before we get there, let's just start off the basics. Say, what is God's will for my life? Okay, instead of of starting out there, let me ask you this question. If you're a follower of Jesus, ask yourself this question. What is God's will for my life that I know right now? I, I know for certain this is what God wants me to do. And I think there's some basic things that we all know right now that God wants us to do. Okay, God, what's God's will for my life? Does God want us to sin? I mean, no. I mean, obviously not. So God's will for us is to live a life that will honor Him. And when we sin, God's will for us, we can know this, is to ask Him for forgiveness. Uh, God's will for our lives is to communicate with Him. To pray. Would you all agree with that? Okay, pray. Because you all got to agree with me here. Okay, so, so we know that's part of God's will. What's another part of God's will? Another part of God's will is for us to share like the disciples did, to tell people, you need Jesus. 
tell you, tell your friends, <clears throat> man, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was when I met Christ. We can know that's a part of God's will. We can know it's a part of God's will that, that we are to come together to worship Him. That, that, that's a part of His will. Hebrews 10.25, let us not forsake the assembling together of ourselves, as some are in the habit of doing. We, we can know that's part of God's will. Now, here's what you do, believers. We know these things are part of God's will. Act on what you know. And as you act on what you know is God's will, God, it's strange how he does this, he begins to reveal more and more the path that he wants to travel on, that he wants us to travel on. It's going to be hard for us to find out God's will when we're not even willing to be obedient to the will that we already know. You want to know God's will? Pay attention to what his word says and then do it. God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You follow God, you stay, stay in step with Him. Then God reveals more and more of Himself to us. What is the future God has for us? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but what? What does it say? Have everlasting life. That is your future. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Now, just take time to think about that for a second. Think about it just for a second. What does living for yourself without the leadership of God provide you? It can provide you a temporary happiness. You think it's all fun. That can happen for a while. But eventually you're going to be empty. Because you're going to be, you're going to be investing your life in something that will not satisfy. Uh, I read a, an article about... Uh, I, saw, I actually saw an article and I thought it was interesting. So I followed up on it. It said there's certain foods that you can eat. That where you can it actually you can starve yourself to death eating certain foods, and I thought, man, that'd be cool if it was like chocolate cake, and uh, but it's not. Um, only certain foods. So I, I looked at them, and one of the foods that you can do this with is is celery. Whoever eats that, uh, so celery. It's interesting. Celery has more. Uh, uh, actually, the, it takes you burn more calories eating celery than the nutritional value that is in a celery stick. Now, if you, so if you're going to go on a trip, like for like a year, you're going to be on Survivor, and you say, the only food I'm going to bring with me is celery, and you're going to be gone for a year, you're going to die, okay? I mean, not because you decided not, even if you eat it, you're going to die, because it doesn't have any nutritional value. And I say, well, it's good, you know, I, I can fill myself up, but it's not going to satisfy. Now, believe it or not, in this, there is a, there's a lesson here. And the lesson here is that if you're, if you're packing your life, with things that have no spiritual, nutritional value, you're going to starve to death. Now, really, but that's why there's a lot of people who, who come into the church who claim to be followers of Jesus, and they say, I'm doing all these different things, and yet I'm empty. And I don't have joy in my life. It very well could be because the things that you are investing in, that you're spending most of your time in, are things that are contrary to the leadership of God. And man, we just simply feel 
empty. We're wasting our time and wasting our lives. And that's why James says you want to follow the leadership of God because he will satisfy. Because he will give you food to eat and water to drink that will quench your soul. And if you are obedient to God as he reveals himself to you and you're obedient to what he already what you already know he wants you to do, he shows more and more himself to you. In John 7:17 7, it says if anyone chooses to do God's will, it says he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak of my own. A famous theologian Augustine said, understanding is the reward of faith. And again, I hear a lot of people say, I just don't know God's will for my life. Guys, act on the will of God that you do know. And God will begin to reveal more and more of himself to you. Now, now what are some lessons that we learned about time? And James was a man who spoke with a lot of wisdom about time. He knew what it was like to waste time, and he knew what it was like to make the most of it. He shares with us, <clears throat> time is uncertain. Time is brief, but your time can be well spent. In light of all that, how are you spending your time? You invest in things that have value beyond just this life. You know, I think a lot of us, we, just, we, come to, we can come to the end of life, we look at our career, we look at what we did, and we say, you know, I, I did this, I made this much money, I have this house, I have, uh, you know, I have all this respect, I have these degrees, and those things, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if that's what you've been investing in, that's what you're hoping in, then we come to the end and we say, is that it? Is there nothing more? And James says, there is something more. And it's Jesus who sees the big picture of life and how you fit into it. What I'd like for us to do is to bow our head and close our eyes as we close out the service. And, and it could be that there are some of you who are investing your life in things that have a very short shelf life. And the best thing that you can do with your time right now is to surrender yourself to the leadership of Jesus. And if you've never done that before, I just where you are, just silently, you can talk to the Lord. Just simply pray this prayer, something like it. Jesus, I, I, I understand I am a sinner. And Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness today. And I'm asking you to be the leader of my life. And I will follow you, Lord. Not my, not my will but your will. So today I trust you. I just trust you. Now if you prayed that prayer something like it, you can take your bulletin, you can open it up and fill out the section on the right side and just check that line. It says, I committed my life to Christ today. We'd just like to be able to get you some information in the mail about how you can grow in your walk with Jesus. Now others of you are believers, followers of Christ, but as you look at how you've been spending your time lately, you begin to understand, you know what, I've, I've really invested a lot of myself in things that are, that are outside, outside the will of God. I've invested myself in things that might look good, that, that are good, but, but they're not the best. And I just want to be obedient to Jesus, and I, I want to come to Him this morning and just simply say, Jesus, I want to be better at using my time. Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to spend time reading your word and praying and talking to you. Lord, telling other people that there is a God of eternity who loves them.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I pray that we will manage our time better, that I will manage my time better, that I will invest in things and in people that have the opportunity to be touched by Jesus. God, we thank you for this day. In Christ's name I pray, amen.